Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Milwaukee. Start your engines. It's time to talk about all things racing. NASCAR, IndyCar, trucks, and Formula One. This is the Final Inspection Show with Steve Zaki, presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Now, it's Final Inspection on 105.7 FM, The Fan. Here's Steve Zaki. And welcome to the Final Inspection Show. We appreciate you joining. I'd like to thank our sponsors, of course, Great Lakes Dragway. Make sure you check out greatlakesdragway.com to get your 2018 season passes. Spring is is about to break here. We've been saying that a few weeks, but the cars will be on the drag strip soon. Make sure you get out to Great Lakes Dragway and check out all the fun and check out their schedule. A lot of special things coming up in the coming year at Great Lakes Dragway, including some stuff with they're working with the Harley Davidson. They got some food out there. Jeff is always looking to munch on some yeah, ribs I or can't something. Wait to eat, <laughs> and uh, of course <laughs> David Hobbs Honda too. We appreciate them coming on board again this year. Sixty one hundred North Green Bay Road. Make sure you give them a call and check out for not only Honda for new Hondas and used Hondas, certified used Hondas, but also uh, pretty cool new used cars that you can check out at DavidHobbsHonda.com. So make sure you give them a ring. And speaking of David Hobbs. David Hobbs, of course, gloriously retired in Vero Beach, Florida. He'll be joining us in the next couple of weeks here. He was in England uh, doing a book release for his book, Hobbo. So we'll have David Hobbs coming up here in a few weeks. But uh, ESPN is taking over for Formula One. And we were greeted with the pre-race, which for 20 minutes was silent. Or non-existent. It or, was or just an ESPN 20-dominant athletes re-air of a documentary that aired like twice in the same night or something. It was it was really, really odd. It was just, uh, there's a lot of glitches. There was all sorts of, of, of stuff going on. It, it's so bad that they had to issue an apology. Yeah, they did. I, I, I mean... It, Look, I think we all kind of entered with a bit of trepidation knowing this is going to be a produced, not even a produced, a drag and drop show of UK feed into a US thing. So you're already so you've already made that choice. Okay, so if you make that choice, you need a host. You need something to make it US centric at the bare minimum to just take you in and out of commercial breaks to say, "Hey, here's what happened when this happens." And so Everything fear-wise that you worry about bore itself out in the first 20 minutes of dead air with, you know, first we have cameras just fixated on the track with no noise, then we have ambient noise, then we have guys on the grid with no working mics, and it's like, guys, this isn't rocket scientists. I know you're in phone-it-in, mail-it-in mode, but at least make a minor effort, so. I I mean, 
I've seen, and nothing that I mean, I I don't mean to to, but I've I've seen, you know, late model dirt track production values better on 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 other, you know, on other television stations that I won't name because I don't want to embarrass them, but with half, I mean, with with. I, I, I'm, it was I'm speechless. I'm so, it was okay. embarrassing. Here, they, from from ESPN, we deeply apologize to Formula One fans for the technical issues that caused them to miss the first 20 minutes of the pre-race show for the Australian Grand Prix. We are sorry that our first F1 telecast did not go as smoothly as we would liked. But we are <laughs> taking steps to prevent those same issues from occurring in the future. We thank the fans for watching and for their incredible passion for Formula One. This isn't like, think of a small TV, the Oprah channel or something. This is ESPN. Uh, and it's ESPN. It's, it's, it's Formula F1. One. It's not the World Series of darts where right. you could probably get away with 20 minutes of silence. And that's something that I watch as well. Well, there's so, probably their own commentary team for World Series of darts. You know, this this wasn't even that. I mean, it's just this like. Is Sky Sports. Well, it's supposed well, to be a big here's, deal. Well, here's, here's the thing, too. I mean, and, and, you know. For for all you know, let's not let's not act like NBC was perfect either. They had their mistakes, right? But there was a presentation that they cared about the U.S. audience. This was a talking down. We're better than this. We're not even going to try. You know, we're not even going to make any effort whatsoever to make this presentable to the U.S. viewer. Who the F1 audience is not huge, but damn, they are passionate. Yeah. And if you rile them up, you, you're almost not going to get them back. It was no shock then that the ratings were down, that you see articles on Jalopnik and others calling it a catastrophe and a train wreck. And it, frankly, if you're ESPN, you have to think to yourself, why do we want our name associated with a terrible production job? This is a sport. This is a channel that brought F1 into homes for people in the 80s and the 90s growing up. I mean, damn, like seriously. Yeah, e- ESPN is, is, I mean, 2017 has been a rough a, a rough year for them <laughs> yeah. on the PR side with layoffs with, with their CEO having to resign because of a cocaine addiction with all sorts of stuff happening. You would think that, okay, we got F1 coming. There's some, we've been getting some pushback. Let's, let's nail this. Let's make sure this works. Nope. Yeah. It's, you know, it makes sense. Literally to me. asleep at the switch. You could, they couldn't, they couldn't have waited to get off the air fast enough, too, after the podiums. It's just like Kimmy stops talking, cut to cut to fade, and go to the 30 for 30 that's aired, you know, 10 times over. I mean, it's like, and, and to, again, there are good people that, in theory, should be working on this to make sure it's not something that, that shows up that the way it did. You only have one chance to make a first impression, and it was an, it was just blown, at, like, in every way, fashion, shape, or form. Yeah, it, it was. It was ugly, and, and then, I mean, the only good thing about it is uh, Mercedes didn't win. Interesting. Nothing, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, yeah. okay. I, I'm always for the underdog. So who, you're, who's you're, ever that you, number wait, two wait, wait, team? You, you, just, you just refer to Ferrari as an yeah, underdog. I know. I know. <laughs> but let's face it. I mean, we got Panzers, you know, coming down south in the, in the Italy, it seems like. I mean, Mercedes has been so tough. And... But. Odd, odd circumstances that they that they lost it. I mean, again, and I hate to now we pivot back to TV, but the two critical moments of the race were mm-hmm. the Haas cars going out, and again, this is something where 
last year there would have been an immediate you know interview with one of those guys with Magnuson or Grosjean or a Gunther Steiner or something. There's nothing that gave across what the issue was in that broadcast. And it was, it's not because well the Haas cars they were in the back of the field. No, they, they were, were front, front fourth and fifth. Yes, they're one they're one freak retirement from the top three away from a podium. Yes. So and so I mean it wasn't like oh yeah Haas you know, okay don't worry about it no they were. They were in in the mix. As, so as we so that say. and the virtual safety car comes up. Mercedes misjudges the timing of it. So Ferrari, you know, had used Kimi as a decoy to get Hamilton on that strategy. Took him off the lead strategy and leapfrogged him. So you're right. They were the quote unquote underdogs. It's still hard to refer to Ferrari as the underdog in any way, shape, or form. Okay, virtual safety car. Uh, what I mean, that would have happened if there was a safety car, anyways, right? Would have bunched the field up even more then. Virtual right. safety cars meant to keep the same gaps status yeah. within right. rather than just bunching it up and say if you've you've built a lead and then you lose it. Which I don't really in fact, that's what they used to do in during the Indy five hundred. They had pacer laps and you kind of kept your position. Everybody cheated. And and especially Bobby Hunter was known to cheat during the pacer light periods of the early nineteen seventies. But uh, well, only you could take F1 and, and convert it into Bobby Unser <laughs> somehow. But is it, I mean, it, it's, it's a way to cheat, though, the virtual safety car, isn't it? What you find, you, what you will always find in almost any form of racing is the teams will find a way to outsmart the rules. Mm-hmm. In some way, shape, or form, they will always be smarter than the rule makers. You don't know how, but they're going to do it. I mean, Vettel had no business winning that race, but he did, and because the track... Because the combination of the dirty air and the heating of the engines is such that you cannot pass at that track. They're so over downforce that the second you get behind them, you are just yeah. you stall out completely. Um, there was no getting by at that point. And supposedly you're going to try and make some rules changes to improve that. Maybe you fix the track. I mean, that track's notorious for it. But, I mean, you know, you've got cars that have, since they've added more downforce, have also cut the number of passes. There were 26, two years. Shocking, right? 26, two. Meanwhile, IndyCar goes 366 with less downforce in their first race at St. Pete. Less than 100 less than F1 had the entire 2017 season. Yeah, Mario Mario really uh, came out about that against that in F1 saying, yes, take the – Take away some of the downforce and you'll get some better racing. You know, what was really frustrating about F1 this weekend was not the result, not the broadcast, but it was it was just the feel of it. You know, yeah. I think there was a feel of between the halo and the other, you know, some mm-hmm. of the other rule changes. It just didn't feel like it was as exciting or as like this was a season opener. It's like, yes, you know, I'm yep. so I'm so late. I'm so excited to stay. I was like, well, A, I don't have a working portion in that. And, you know, for Hobbs, I mean Goodness, you know, he's, he's done this 40 years. Right. How do you think Hobbs must have felt knowing I'm watching a Grand Prix and I'm not on the mic for it for the first time? I mean, this the, the U.S. fan was underserved by what they got on Saturday night, and it's very hard for them to imagine keeping their passion up. And also the the other irony, though, I'm, this is one of my pet peeves, is you could read the numbers on the F1 cars where you can in IndyCar now. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I was rooting, I was rooting for last name. I don't know if you saw that graphic yes. flub from the world feed that. Uh, oh, that's right. Yes, I did tweet that out. <laughs> last, last name, last name, last name versus last name, and uh, you know. And uh, what about the Ferrari colors? You like the all back to the all red? I, I do like that actually. Yeah, um, real distinct, real kind of. Yeah, I, I don't know if the white has really worked the last couple of years. There's just the all red is is right. Well, that but, was kind of a throwback to their the cars 70s. in the mid seventies. Yeah. 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 So. Which they still have a little bit of it, but 
What, what about the Haas cars? You like the silver with that red? Well, not just because I know the livery designer, but yes, I yeah. actually think it's a very clean look. And in the team, you know, frankly, they're, they're it's unfortunate they're getting a lot of blowback saying, oh, it's a customer Ferrari car. Well, right. no, they've, again, teams being smarter than the rules, they've taken advantage of every possibility they can to get the parts created to where the car is that much better, you know, than, than it should be. The engine power is there. The power unit power is there as well. So um, good on them for having the pace to be in that position before the wheel nut issue took them out of it. And McLaren looked pretty good. Yeah. Um, Fernando Alonso with good luck is not something that we say very often. Usually he mm-hmm. is. Usually he's out before the race starts or something bizarre happens. But here when the virtual safety car happened, he was able to leapfrog up the order. So, you know, that probably would have been a ninth place car had things gone to, to normal. But you get a fifth out of it, and Van Dorn got points as well. That's a great start for them. They're not there yet, but they are in a lot better position than they were. Um, thanks to large part the Renault power yes. unit switch, and I love the the colors, the orange yep. and the McLaren orange and the the blue looks really. It good. It looks a lot better than that kind of awful orange and black concoction mm-hmm. last year because it it was like they wanted to go back to orange, but they wound up with like a mid you know arrows spiker back of the grid type of feel for that car. So. All right, uh, we're running out of time here, but Tony Dezino, of course, joining us, and then Jeff is curiously quiet for some reason. But um, okay, you're we're putting you in charge of F one. Give me, give me, what's your first rule that you would do? Strip a heck of a lot of downforce off the cars. How do you do that? I mean, you take the appendages off. Well, they've they've done that, but the the problem is the the car design has has evolved. When they when they did the new cars last year, they put a lot more on both wing sets. The the less less is better on that. So just take away pounds of downforce, move it. Move, Take away from go from IndyCar, put more downforce on the underside of the car, generate more underside downforce rather than I top thought side. That was interesting. Uh, an interesting uh, when I read that about the the IndyCar. What the big change this year? Yes, keep they kept the downforce underneath the car, but kind of taken away from. They the moved. They kind of moved to lower and took away a ton of it off the top. So it's mm-hmm. well over a thousand. I think twelve or hundred, maybe more than that pounds less of downforce. And you could sure. physically see the difference between the two. I don't like really comparing one-to-one uh, F1 to IndyCar, but when the cars at St. Pete to what we saw at Australia, it was interesting. Also, it was only a one-stop race, and with Pirelli having, I'm not making this up, seven different tire compounds for dry weather, you would still expect there to be a bigger delta mm-hmm. where not everyone's on the same strategy. So there's no strategy in the race whatsoever. So, you know, I think series that simplify things have a better opportunity to sell their product than when it's more complicated and doesn't generate the desired results. So IndyCar's gone with a simplification route this year, and it's gone better. F1 has tried to make it more complicated and arguably made it worse. Well, Tony Dezino, we certainly appreciate you joining the show today. Jeff, of course, will continue on here, but we're gonna have a, I taped an interview when I was in Indianapolis with uh, Mike Thompson of the Indianapolis Motor Museum. Indianapolis Speedway uh, Museum. We'll be hearing that coming up next. And at the bottom of the hour, Race Talk Radio's Dennis Michelson and Lori Monroe will continue on the NASCAR thread talking about what happened in Martinsville and what's coming up on the NASCAR schedule. You're listening to the Final Inspection Show brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway along with David Hobbs Honda. This is Final Inspection with Steve Zockey. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove. On 105.7 FM, The Fan. 
And welcome back to the final inspection show brought to you by Great Lakes Dragway and David Hobbs Honda. And I was able, when I was in Indianapolis, to sit down with Mike Thompson, Director of Communications at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Museum. And for those who might have been to the museum a couple years ago, you go, ah, I've been there and there's really no need for me to go back. Well, there's a lot of new things at the museum and they've been working hard on uh, constantly rotating uh, displays and whatnot and uh, let's ask Mike what's new for the 2018 season well that's one of the things we were trying is we're trying to make sure that people don't say hey I've been there a couple years ago I don't need to come back so uh, we've got a huge exhibit opening in April on the Unser family the amazing Unser's uh, from Albuquerque to Indianapolis chronicling the uh, the great legendary Unser family so that's our signature exhibit that uh, people will see this summer um, that opens in April and it's open all the way until October. So it's going to celebrate, obviously, Al, Uncle Bobby, Al Jr., uh, but the whole family, Uncle Louie, you know, even Mom. We're going to have a pot for Mom's oh, Chili, if you remember Mom's yeah. Chili. Yeah, so we're going to have Mom's Chili Pot actually here. And so we're actually going to be handing out some chili during the Excellent. during the time. So, yeah, people are going to get a chance to taste her chili. So, uh, but, yeah, I mean, one of the things we're trying to do is make sure people come back, you know, and give them something different. So we're about to uh, open an interactive exhibit that's going to detail our Hall of Famers. One of the things that is, you know, been kind of an unknown secret about our museum is the Hall of Fame. Mm -hmm. You know, people say, oh, where's the Hall of Fame part of it? And well, it's a, a bunch of names on a wall. You can't really learn anything about, you know, unless you know something about those guys, you can't really learn anything about them because it's just static names on a wall. So. We have an interactive exhibit that's going to be opening here in a couple of weeks where you can walk up the touch screen and you can learn about all the different guys. So you can you can walk up and pick any of the now we just have inducted or just announced over the last two or last week our new Hall of Famer. So Jeff Gordon and Tony Stewart are going to be number 155 and 156. So you can pick any of the 156 Hall of Famers and learn something about them and, and see photos from their career. And Donald's cut audio forums. Donald Davidson, obviously, our legendary historian. So it's something that it's a much more interactive as opposed to just walking up and seeing a bunch of plaques on a wall. And if, you, if you're not familiar with Eddie Sachs, it doesn't really mean anything to you. Now you're going to be able to learn who Eddie Sachs is and learn who some of these legendary stars are that you may not know. Yes, and Eddie was certainly a fan favorite. They called him the, the, the clown prince of racing and that, but he had such an infectious uh, personality, but he's been gone you know, for over 50 years, and now this is a way for people who maybe haven't seen him race. You know, They might have heard the stories from their parents uh, about Eddie and how he was such a fan favorite, and this is a good way for them to interact, isn't it? Yeah, it's a great way for people to say, okay, I've heard of Ted Horn or I've heard of Eddie Sachs, but, but basically why should I care? You know, Why are their names on the wall? And, and that's what I love about it. And I'm a lot like Donald, our, our historian, because I love the people. I love the stories, you know? Um, you know. You can talk to me about wing angles and engine sizes and all that stuff, and I'm not as nearly as interested in that as I am the people. I want to hear stories about Johnny Thompson, and I want to hear stories about Eddie Sachs, and why was Eddie Sachs the clown prince, and, you know, rolling the tire down the, the front stretch and, you know, telling jokes and things like that. I love that kind of stuff. So um, that's really what we want to do is we want to keep the memory of these guys alive and, and bring that to another generation so they can see, you know, just how popular Eddie Sachs was. You know, he didn't win the 500, came really close in 1961, but, you know, keep his memory alive and, and for another generation of fans that's coming up. 
and uh, the, the museum has expanded. The area that had offices on the first floor, for those who might not be aware, have been opened up. And last year, you, you had the A.J. Foyt exhibit, which I think was very, very successful. And included in that was not only a lot of his cars that you can mention, but uh, it was the memorabilia collection. And there was stuff in there that I may have, I saw some photos of, I've seen photos in books of some of the memorabilia, but here it was under glass, you could see it. And it was, that was, that must have been a real fan favorite, wasn't it? Yeah, and that's one of my favorite parts of the expansion we did was the new gallery room we have, which not only can we use it for corporate events and things like that, but for our big exhibits like the Foyt exhibit you're mentioning, we were able to turn that into a special room of memorabilia. So all the walls, it looked like an art gallery of A.J. Foyt, you know? So we had that on the walls. And then in the display cases, we actually had real display cases that were from the Holman Company when there was a grocery, when they had their own grocery okay. in Terre Haute at the turn of the, you know, the 1900s. So we refurbished those antique cases and used those antique cases to put the memorabilia in. So it was a great, you know, housing to put AJ's, you know, for example, AJ's 100, champion 100 mile an hour jacket was in there. And one of his checkered flags that he won that was signed by the entire field was in there. So it was a really neat way to display that memorabilia. So you came in and there was another room that was basically all dedicated to AJ and we're doing that same thing with the Unser family. So we'll have three of those display cases, one for each of the, the Unser's that have won the 500 and then all the walls will be basically an art gallery of the Unser's. So it just gives us another place where people can really kind of immerse themselves in these great drivers. And there's of course, there's a lot of indie cars, but there's other cars too, uh, uh, from other series in that. What are some of the other cars that might surprise a visitor? Well, in this particular exhibit, I can tell you one of the ones that I really wanted us to get was Alan Sir Jr.'s, uh, you know, Valvoline. Uh, car he drove for Hendrick, the one oh, is yes. one Daytona 500 is one NASCAR start. So actually, that car will be here for for the exhibit. So I'm actually really looking forward to that. And that was one of the things that people really gravitated to. I noticed in the Foyt exhibit. So we t we have a room called the glass room, and that's the first room you see on when you walk into the uh, museum on your left. And that's where all his winning cars were. And we had we made that a really special room, and we're going to do that again for the Unser exhibit. All the the Unser winning cars will be in there. But what I found is people at the Foyt exhibit loved the other stuff. You know, they loved the midgets and they loved the sprint cars. And they, you know, we had the Oldsmobile Aerotech here. And, and the IROC you know, car. And the IROC car. Yeah. And, 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 you know, and, and an IMSA car he drove. And, and so it was, you know, showing all of AJ's versatility. And that we're doing the same thing with the Unsers. And one of the things I said is, you know, we've got, we're going to have an IROC car. We're going to have an Al Senior IROC car here. But I said, we got to get that Al Junior. You know, everybody remembers mm -hmm. his one star, you know, where... He tangled up a little bit with Dale Earnhardt, got knocked out of the race, but it was running really well at the front of the front of the pack, and people remember that car. So, mm -hmm. so it's the car from his one and only NASCAR start. So that'll be kind of fun. But uh, we always want to have, especially during May, we want to have the lower floor be the Indianapolis 500 winners because people come from you know. People think, you know, hey, it's it's really a lot of people from Indiana. We get visitors from all over the world. So we want to have, if it's your first time and you're coming from California or you're coming from Brazil or you're coming from, you know, Germany or wherever it is, we want you to be able to come in and see, 
you know, Troy Rutman's winning car or Bill Vukovic's winning car or, you know, whatever car it is that we, winning cars we, that we have in our collection, we want you to be able to see those. So we're going to have all the winning cars still on the lower portion of our floor. The upper floor is the Unser exhibit. And then the back, we have a few special cars that we kind of rotate in and out. But a lot of that's going to be the Unser exhibit right now, too. But we have so many great cars that we, it's, you know, we rotate them in and out. And, you know, you can't see them all because we have so many great cars in our collection. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. The Unser thing should be really neat. And, of course, I'm sure uh, during the month of May you'll, you'll have the ability to uh, for to visit with the Unzers. I'm sure there will be opportunities and autograph uh, opportunities, aren't there? We're going to have a speaker series event on the Monday of race week with Al Jr. and Bobby, so that should be a lot of fun. Uh, we're all looking forward to that. And actually what we're kind of trying to do is, you know, Bobby's so excited about this exhibit, and Bobby's kind of volunteered. Now, we haven't gotten it confirmed yet, but Bobby's kind of volunteered to basically Basically, take a rocking chair and put park himself in the exhibit and almost be a living exhibit. So that way, when people walk up, he'll, he'll be able to tell them stories. And you know, obviously, Bobby oh, yeah. pretty well. You know, he's a great storyteller. So I'm kind of looking forward to that. Maybe almost having a living exhibit there with Bobby being able to tell stories about his cars and his memorabilia. So I think that'll be kind of a lot of fun. That should be a lot of fun. Yeah, for uh, Uncle 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 Bobby is is a lot of the friends call him. Uh, he is a he, he's a precious commodity in. in racing isn't he yeah well he's a treat and you, know, you know i mean he's he's so energetic and so enthusiastic and he loves fans i mean if you see mm -hmm. him especially like we have the hall of fame autograph session the week of the race on thursday and when you see him interact with the fans he loves when people bring him pictures he anybody really likes is he likes when you bring him a picture he hasn't seen in a long time i mean he loves signing all his 500 right. wins you know he's got his three 500 wins 68 and 75 and 81 but he loves signing that picture from Langhorn or, you know, some some other track where he hasn't seen that picture in a long time. And then he loves to tell that story. So he kind of slows up the line sometimes because he wants to tell everybody a story about it because he's so enthusiastic about it. So, yeah, he's a treasure. We're sitting down with uh, Mike Thompson, Director of Communications with the Indianapolis Speedway Museum. And what what are the hours? When, when can a fan come down and visit? Well, we're in our uh, summer hours now. So now we're back to uh, the 9 to 5 uh, hours. So during the winter, we kind of we shorten the hours a little bit but now we're back to uh, nine to five at this point so uh, if you come for the answer exhibit or one of our other uh, events now we have a little bit of extended hours for example that that uh, uh, speaker series event I told you about mm -hmm. well, that's going to be an evening event so uh, we extend the hours a little bit on those type of events but uh, for the most part during that time of year it's nine to five and uh, what's the website that they can go to? Uh, right. We're about to launch, and you're getting the exclusive information, oh, by okay. the way, on this. We're about to launch a brand-new website, but right now we're at uh, www.indyracingmuseum.org. Okay, excellent. Make sure you check that out, and uh, for all the latest updates. And like I said, last last year, if the Unzer exhibit is anything like the Foyt one, it is actually worth coming down here to take a look at. And plus, all the other things that that, that are going on in Indianapolis during the month of May, it's a lot of fun. Mike, thanks for sitting in with us. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. That was Mike Thompson, Director of Communications with the Indianapolis Speedway Museum. Make sure to check them out. What's the website again? Once again, www.indyracingmuseum.org. Thanks a lot, Mike. Back to the final inspection. 105.7 FM, the fan. Dennis Michelson, Lori Monroe from Racetalkradio.com. And 
Laurie Monroe, I think there was proof over the weekend that there is really a God. There is a God, and I think there's also a Mother Nature. (laughs) Well, there is a Mother Nature, but there is a God, because somebody was looking down on us, and he spared us of Kurt Busch winning this race this weekend. Yeah, we didn't really need to see him uh, doing any snow angels or anything like that, that's for sure. We've seen enough of that in our lifetimes to last a lifetime a lifetime i if i never see him do another snow angel and i never see austin dillon do another slide in the infield although i will admit if he won at bristol it'd be kind of fun watching him slide into the infield and smack his head on the wall but that's another story based on how he's been running i don't think we really have to fear watching him do a belly slide anytime soon that's very very good uh snowed out What a crazy, crazy deal. That's the first time a NASCAR race has been snowed out since 1993. Yeah, and uh, what really got me, like I knew it was snowing and I knew there was snow and I knew they had to call it because there was snow. It didn't even, uh, I, I wasn't even aware what the accumulation actually was until I don't know, Tuesday or or whatever, when I started hearing stories about it, there was like four or five and six inches out where people are parked and everywhere. That was a heck of a lot of snow. And it looked like a lot of snow from the pictures that were being passed around, like from right at trackside and looking at the safer barriers with snow on them and just everything covered in snow. But you just don't really know unless somebody sticks a measuring stick in the snow. But to, to actually hear reports of it being like half a foot of snow, that just is, that's insane. Absolutely insane. They could have gotten it cleared from the racetrack in the stands. But the biggest problem was the safety of so many fans traveling on the roads getting there. Southern Virginia is not exactly used to getting a lot of snow. Well, this is it. It's not just about the race. It's a bigger picture deal than just the race. They'd have to take away uh, any type of equipment from areas that, you know, people that aren't even related to, to anything to do with racing. They just had to look after all of their own infrastructure everywhere. And the track was, you know, it just they just have to put things on hold. That's all there is to it. And I think they made the best decision, obviously. They made the best decision. There really isn't a heck of a lot you can do. But I was really curious to know how they could just, could they just blow the snow off the track? And apparently the the air titans would melt the snow and dry the track and blow it off in, in one fell swoop. I think that was fabulous. But apparently they also went around um, and lifted all the safer barrier and blew the snow out from under there so that it wouldn't melt and cause any weepage down the track when they actually did... Uh, did go racing so there was a lot of work that went into that it was it was pretty impressive nascar did an amazing job to get those races in on monday and they made the right call of not only calling the races for sunday but calling it so early so they could keep people home and not sending them out to the track that was a great job by nascar to do what they did yeah for sure they got on it really quick i heard about it 
I don't know, like seven in the morning. So people just, you know, you'd think people would say, oh, there can't be racing today, but you know, there's diehards. They try making it to the track and, and whatnot, but such a great job done by everybody looking after the people who actually stayed there and camped there. I know uh, MRN actually ended up getting a whole bunch of pizzas and they were delivering yeah. pizzas to all of the, the fans who were there in trailers and stuff. It was just incredible. It was like a huge, like a huge party. Like you'd see with any sort of weather disaster anywhere, people just coming together and looking after each other. Pretty neat. So it had been since 1993 since a race had yeah. been snowed out and almost that long, it seems, since Clint Boyer won a race 190 races without a win and i was shocked to hear it had been almost six years since his last win either time is going by real fast or it didn't seem like it was that many years since his last win well, i'm glad you said that because when i heard the 190 race quote-unquote winless streak which is still a stupid term it's not a streak it's a whatever the the anti-streak is What's the anti-streak? It's a drought. Yeah, drought. A, a, a windless drought. Saying 190 races is one thing. You can't even really put that into context. But when they throw like five, six years at you, that really sinks in. That is a long time. And you start thinking of all the things that has gone on with Clint Boyer uh, over the last few years. You know, the whole deal with Michael Waltrip racing and and that big running fight he had with, uh, was it Jeff Gordon, I guess, just running and running yep. and running. Just so much stuff going on with Clint Boyer. Boy, oh boy, but sure fun to see him win. He's a, he's a fun winner. <laughs> he's a fun winner, and it was about as close God. to a first-time winner reaction as yeah. we've seen in a long time. That was fun. It was a lot of fun just uh, watching him all these interviews he did afterward and just so animated. He is just a hoot to watch. I am very convinced that he's going to have a solid season. I was convinced before the year started that he would win at least one race. And this team has been strong right from the beginning this year. I think we're going to see Clint Boyer in victory lane, maybe two or three more times before this season is out. Well, just look at all of Stuart Haas. They're all performing well, and I think you can probably throw Almarola into that group, too. I would not be surprised if he won a race sometime in the next next couple of months. They definitely look like the top yeah. team so far this year. I mean, six races, I know it's early, but six races is a trend. We've had just about every kind of track imaginable, except mm -hmm. for a road course. They've been strong at each and every track. Yeah. Done it's, very well. It's not a fluke, and I think we're going to see Clint Boyer doing well all season long. That would be fun, and I sure hope so. I just hope he learns to party a little bit less after the next race. This time he's got a week off to recover. He might not have that benefit the next time he wins. Well, then it wouldn't be Clint Boyer being Clint Boyer. So very true. Well, it is time for us to step out, take a quick break. We'll be back with more NASCAR talk. You're listening to The Final Inspection, 105.7 FM, The Fan. This is Final Inspection with Steve Zockey. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove on 105.7 FM, The Fan.
Welcome back to the final inspection, 105.7 FM. The fan, Dennis and Lori, talking NASCAR on a Saturday afternoon. And Lori Monroe, I might need some professional help. Um, You're just coming to that conclusion now? Well, I might need help <laughs> more immediately because I'm on the ledge. I'm oh, on, okay. I'm on the ledge. I'm about 20 stories up. And I'm teetering on the edge because I'm getting worried. I'm getting worried about Jimmy Johnson, 15th at Martinsville, his best track. They don't even give you a cuckoo clock for 15th place. You know, you talked about trends in the last segment, and I can almost say now perhaps we are seeing a trend with the 48 team. I, I kind of just sort of – they come out of the gate when they need to. And I've always felt that when they need to start winning, they do. But at a track like Martinsville, where Jimmy Johnson has won how many times, I I was surprised. But look at all of Hendrick Motorsports. Just not up to snuff yet. There's just they're just they're just off. So uh, I don't like what I see. I don't think it bodes well for his season unless something really gets turned around quick, but I don't know. It's uh, It seems like as each week ticks by and they're not doing as well as you expect, uh, it just sort of leaves you hanging. 17th in points right now after six races. Wow. And it's it's not like he's had like all kinds of bad luck crashes or, mm-hmm. you know, parts failures. The car has just been slow. You just look at where all his teammates are, though. They're not doing well as a whole. Chase Elliott has done a little better than everybody else, but you're right. Everybody else has been sort of sluggish. Bowman's had his moments, but not up to snuff each and every week. So maybe it's the team, but I am a little bit worried about Jimmy Johnson. Like, we're going to be at the point where Casey Kane starts doing better than those guys, and he's not even there anymore. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly, exactly. What does that say? It's telling you you're in a lot of trouble. But getting to our NASCAR news for this week, and there's another team in serious trouble because BK Racing will be operated by a trustee the rest of the season because they filed for bankruptcy. That's too bad. I guess the money that they uh, had earned at Daytona, etc., they just... uh... You just you can't be in the situation they're in and just keep going forward. Something has to give, so it's too bad. But you know, it is what it is. I suppose it's pretty scary when some of the teams that qualify for the races every week because they got the charter and they're not able to make ends meet. It tells yeah. you that this series is really tough and that they're. There could be trouble because if they lose BK Racing's two teams, that's going to be a real small field later on this year. So I'm hoping good things happen. Hey, it's just bankruptcy. We've seen companies operate out of bankruptcy and and come back and thrive. So we're hoping the best for BK Racing. Also in the news, uh, you got to say the sponsorship for this next one because Stuart Haas Racing. I can't do it justice, but they signed Go Bowling. Can you can you announce that for me? Bowling. Yeah, and you probably have a casserole as well. So good news <laughs> for the folks at Stuart Haas Racing with Go Bowling partnering bowling. 
with the team. Uh, also in the news, Monster Energy is really close to extending their NASCAR sponsorship, which is probably going to be uh, causing the uh, consumption of Rolades down at Daytona Beach to slow down a bit. This was supposed to be done last October, and it's still dragging on. Well, it ain't done yet either. That's the whole thing. No, and it could all fall apart. That's the thing. I mean, it's less money, and there still may not come back for next year. If they lose Monster and they can't find another sponsor for this series next year, combined with their already losing money, oh, my goodness, I feel sorry for the teams because there's going to have to be a major major reset in nascar maybe uh instead of having this laser system they got to get lorraine with the polaroid camera out there as the the only tech uh job out there for for nascar because it's going to get pretty lean if monster doesn't sign well if nascar starts posting links to a gofundme account i think we're all screwed I could see that happening, actually. Also in the NASCAR news, this is a pretty cool story out of Stafford Speedway. Kevin Harvick, who's been very vocal about needing NASCAR to step up and show some support for the weekly racing, he put his money where his mouth is. He is going to sponsor a weekly bonus at Stafford Speedway, and he's doing it in the name of the late, great Teddy Christopher I thought that was just the coolest, classiest move from a guy who's shown the last couple of weeks that he wasn't so classy. Yeah, that uh, that is a very nice gesture for sure. I don't know. I, I still think anytime something like this is done, there's always some underlying advantage that uh, the individual is obtaining because of that. And he he had his uh, talk show on this past week, and he was brought on a driver because he just is so pro um, these drivers coming up through the ranks. And it was uh, Haley Deegan, like showing off what a, you know, we got to pay attention to these drivers. Well, doesn't he represent her? Doesn't his company represent her? Yeah. You know, there's, there's more to all of this than meets the eye, in my opinion. Yeah. A little self-serving there for Kevin Harvick. Yeah, this is it. He couldn't, he couldn't remember the name of the, the kid that beat him. (laughs) <laughs> but he sure knew who, who she was. So it's just kind of funny. Yeah, if you're paying a check to Kevin Harvick for uh, promotion, I guess you're getting your money's worth there. Absolutely. All right, Laurie, six races into the NASCAR season. How would you grade the 2018 season so far? Wow. I, I got to honestly say, it's almost like, until this weekend, I've just been waiting for it to start. The whole West Coast swing made me tired and going to Martinsville. And I know everybody says it now, real racing starts. I'm going to grade it maybe a a B plus so far, which is still pretty good, but uh, I'm just ready to get into some, some good racing now. I'll give it a B minus because while it has been some little shimmers of good racing light so far this season, I don't think we've seen anything that's been, super memorable that we're going to remember for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. I agree. That's going to wrap it up for your NASCAR segment today, right here on the final inspection, 105.7 FM, the fan.
This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.